Uh, well, I hope your Christmas goes better than that. We've all been there, right? Um, it's, it's just amazing. This time of year, can, uh, it, can be, it can be stressful. It can be difficult. Our family went uh, Christmas shopping yesterday. Um, I don't know why we wait till, till the last minute, but we do. And, uh, and we went there, and, you know, you got to go to Wally World while you're there. And it's so interesting, um, as, a, as a pastor and kind of going through this series, uh, specifically, I was just kind of watching people, um, and I was questioning, too, why every l- line didn't, wasn't open, you know, for Christmas, but um, because the lines were all the way back, like, to the women's underwear. It was unbelievable. It was like, goodness gracious, you know, and, uh, and, and you're looking at, at some people who are just, they're just like, they're like angry, and, and, uh, and some parents, I mean, they're just done, like they're done, done, done. They've been, you know, at the, at the store too long with the kids, and, and then there's other people who are gracious and, and trying to be kind, and, and, and albeit, you know, us as Americans, we're not used to waiting around too long, and, uh, and so, you know, it's just interesting watching people, and I just thought, you know what? And this is why we need to celebrate Christmas, because for some, the, the, the angst, and even the angst that, that rises up in, in us, and if you're a Jesus follower here this morning, it's so interesting, you know, the different things that rise up in you and, and that, you're, that you deal with. Um, all of a sudden now, when you, when you apply the Jesus principles to them, those rise up and you kind of know how to deal with it. You kind of know what to do with that. You, you kinda, you're, you're able to, to process that. You're able to actually do something different than the way that you're actually feeling. If you just went with what you're feeling, woo, look out, right? And, uh, and, and, and you're actually able to do something different than that. And it's so interesting to me as our culture wants to run away from Jesus' values, um, one of the reasons why we're able to actually sit there and, and exhibit some patience and exhibit some kindness and, and exhibit some, hey, why don't you go before me even though I've been sitting here for 45 minutes and, 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 and you're able to actually do those things is because we still live in the shadow of, we still live in, 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 in a society um, that, that has the resemblance of still kind of this, this shadow of Jesus' values that have been passed down from generation to generation post-Christmas, from generation to generation to generation through the church to a culture that, that says, this is the way I'm feeling, but there's part of me that says, you know what, I probably shouldn't do that. I'm going to go with a different value. And they don't even probably have any idea where that value comes from or what it's rooted in. But I'm just telling you what, if you take a society that's void of Jesus' values, you better come packing. Like, you better bring your gun to Walmart because it's going to be ugly. And there's, I mean, it's just going to be chaos. And, and the reason we, we celebrate Christmas, and we talked about this in week one, is the world needs Christmas. And, and last week we talked about, and this is, seems kind of strange, God needed Christmas. You're like, no, he didn't. Sure he did. He needed Christmas. And this is the reason he needed it, because he needed to have a demonstration that was documented of his deep and abiding love for this rebel race. He needed a way to demonstrate to the world his love, and he needed a way to document that demonstration 
And so he put on a demonstration of sending his son to this world. Today is a little bit different. Today I'm going to talk to the Jesus followers. And so if you're watching online, you're in-house, you're not necessarily a Jesus follower, you're skeptical of the Bible, we're so glad you're, you're here and we're so glad that you joined in. And there will be some application to you, but hopefully as we go through this, there will be maybe something that connects with you that's kind of like, gosh, I don't know if I believe that, but that makes a lot of sense. Because as we talk today, there's something that we should be celebrating at Christmas that I think we miss, and I don't want us to miss it. And so I hope it kind of becomes clear as we um, kind of navigate through this morning. So this is how it happened. In Matthew chapter 1, Matthew records it for us and starts in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Now, i got to stop here um, because there's some relevant things um, as we start in. Anyone know the uh, Greek equivalent of the Hebrew term Messiah? Anybody? What's the, everybody thinks it's Jesus' last name. Christ. So some of you just learned something. Some of you online, you just learned something. Um, it isn't Joseph and Mary Christ and their son Jesus, Okay. Um, Christ is the Greek title of the Hebrew title, Messiah, okay? Now, I'm going to ruin your Christmas, but it's okay. It's, it, you, you'll, you'll make it through. It'll be fine. I want to talk about the word Jesus for just a second. Um, Jesus is actually a Latin term of a Greek term of the Hebrew term, Yeshua. And, uh, and maybe you heard someone say Yeshua, and you said, God bless you. And they're like, no, no. No, I didn't sneeze. That's, that's Jesus' name, okay? Um, so um, this is actually the Latin term, and we're not going to change all of our English, you know, uh, Bibles, and, and, and we're not going to change Jesus' name. But his Hebrew name is actually Yeshua, and if you were to translate that straight into English, it would be where we get our word, Joshua. So for the, the Jews, when, when they talked about Yeshua, they're, in their minds, they're, they're thinking of what we think of in the Old Testament as Joshua, this, this deliverer, this warrior, this warrior leader, this incredible leader, but he was a warrior, this, this, this guy who, who took the nation of Israel across the river and, and, and surrounded Jericho and, and brought the nation of Israel into the promised land. In their minds, they're thinking Yeshua, Joshua. We have the term Jesus. Now, we're going we're gonna to keep that. And maybe the reason, I don't know, maybe, maybe the reason God hasn't answered your prayers is because we've been mispronouncing the name of his son for 2,000 years. I don't, I'm just kidding you. No, I, I think God knows Latin. So we'll be fine, all right? So you may have learned something in, in church today, all right? So this is important as we kind of move in, and one, maybe one of the reasons why we don't celebrate this very important piece to why Jesus came, all right? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, woo. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
In a previous generation, she would have been stoned to death for that. In a previous generation, the law would have required her to, to, to be stoned to death for being unfaithful outside of wedlock. And, and, and here's what's kind of interesting. Joseph's uh, reply to this, and, and here's the thing, when, when the first century came around, um, not only was stoning, it was, it was illegal um, in Roman occupation, um, but they had kind of somewhat given up on the actual literal application of the Old Testament law at this point. Uh, but this is interesting. Um, Joseph's response to this, um, just it, it says something to me that I think the only thing that makes sense to me, and I, I could be totally wrong, but, and if you grew up Catholic, if you're watching you grew up Catholic, um, you know, I, I the, I don't want to be offensive to you in, in, any, in any way. Um, but, uh, but this is kind of interesting, and I think could be an explanation of why Joseph responded the way he did. Because um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Joseph thought Mary was crazy. I mean, think about it. Your daughter, teenage, now you need to know this, um, in the first century, um, girls were pledged to be married as early as 10 years old, 10, 11, 12. If you got to be 16 and you weren't pledged to be married yet, like, whoa, something's wrong, something's going weird, okay? So they were, they were married super, super young. So just imagine your teenage daughter comes to you and, re, and, and, and you find out she's pregnant. And, and so you ask her, okay, um, who's the father? And she's like, I haven't been with any man. An angel came to me and told me that the Holy Spirit got me pregnant. Okay, honey, let's get some help for you. Right? I mean, isn't that what you would, you're kind of like, do, 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 do. That's just the weird, right? So uh, it's so interesting, you know, Joseph's re- response Because Joseph, her husband, and he goes on in verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. So in other words, he's like, something, I mean, we got to do something, and and I want to be faithful to to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. That's that's the part that tells me it's kind of like, but if she's kind of lost a connection, a little bit crazy, or something's weird, something's not connecting, dots aren't connecting, or something, I mean, we're, we're... I mean, we should give her some grace if, if that's the case, right? He had in mind, in other words, he hadn't decided yet. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, which he could have done. He could have gone to a priest and said, hey, yeah, this is kind of the deal. I think she's a little bit off her rocker. And, uh, and, and so um, he could have gotten a divorce and made it quietly. And here's the thing. He wanted to make it as quiet as possible, which we can appreciate this in Gothenburg, um, uh, because in Nazareth, <laughs> you know what it's like to keep something kind of quiet in a small town, right? Everybody knows everybody's business. That's impossible. And so he's like, okay, well, how are we going to you know, keep this as quiet as possible? So, but after he had considered this, in other words, he hadn't decided yet, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, and, and so this part is kind of interesting because um, I don't know 
you know, what, what uh, Joseph would have thought, because when we're having conversations with someone, we're, all, we're, act, we're also having kind of a thought process as we're kind of speaking. In fact, some of us um, check out of the conversation, and we're over here thinking, and then we're like, oh, no, yeah, we're actually talking, and we probably better check back in. Um, it would be interesting to know what Joseph's side thought would have been when the angel appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, not the actual son of David, but in the line of David, which is important to our story, do not be afraid, and he has to say this because he is afraid, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because if you do take her home as your wife, everyone's going to think you're the father, and you're not. And then they're going to think, you know what, you got her pregnant out of wedlock, and now you're both going to be, you know, in, in a place of disgrace, and there's going to be all kinds of, of ramifications for this for you. It's going to be hard for you to get a job. It's going to be, it's going to be hard for you to function in, this, in, in your culture, in, in, in the society there. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. And the angel says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him the name Yeshua. For us, Jesus. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because, and, and he had to have thought, Yeshua? Joshua? The Messiah? Are you kidding me? I'm going to get to be the dad of the Messiah? I'm going to get to be the dad of the Yeshua, the warrior, the, the one who delivered our people, the, the one who brought our people into the promised land, the one who can throw off our oppressors? I mean, you've got to be, you got to be kidding me. I mean, we've been oppressed all the way back to when our kingdoms were divided and, 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 and the Babylonians and, and the Persians and then the Greeks and now the Romans. I mean, we haven't known anything but oppression. So she will save his people from, I know what they're going to, you know, I know what he's going to save his people from. He's going to save his people. He's going to save us from Rome. He's going to save us from the oppressor. I mean, this is phenomenal. I couldn't even, I couldn't, this is, this is amazing. After all of this time, I get to be the one in, in this incredible position where, this, where Yeshua, Joshua, is going to deliver us from all of our oppression. <laughs> she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Okay. <clears throat> Time out. Um, I know you're an angel and everything, but uh, <clears throat> that's not really a felt need. Like, that's not really something we're even looking for. In fact, you get the whole nation of Israel together and you say, hey, out of everything you need, saving from sins is not going to come to the top of the list. In fact, it's not even going to make the list. That's not really a felt need. Angel, I know you're an angel and everything, but kind of maybe you've never heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So let me let me explain to you Maslow's hierarchy of, uh, uh, hierarchy of needs. See, we have physiological needs. 
We, we have safety needs, like we need to eat and live indoors. That, that, those are basic needs. Everybody needs that. You know what? You know, food, water, shelter, you know, we, these are things that we need. We struggle with these. Could we just, let's just have some of these things. And then when we have this, we can move into everyone needs to have, be loved and, and have a sense of belonging. And it just shoots into our esteem. And then, and then we have self-actualization. So, you know what? Um, I, don't, I don't see sin on this list anywhere. So that maybe we could start there. I tell you what, I do know, you know, some people that need to be saved from their sins. Rome. Rome needs save, saving from sin. Let's, get, let's, let's just help them with that. We need saving from Rome. We need a savior with a sword. Besides, angel, we have a very sophisticated save you from your sin system in place right now. You can go to it. In fact, you can't miss it. It's on top of this mountain. We have this temple. You go up in there, and, and, and the priests, they can open the scrolls, and we have this written literature. We have every sin imaginable listed, and it tells you what to do for the forgiveness of that sin. We don't need forgiveness of sin. We, you know, we already have that covered. A savior? To forgive us of sin? I mean, it kind of falls a little flat. It's so interesting. When Joseph woke up, Matthew records in verse 24, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Do you know why? This is deep. It's really deep. Because when God says something to you, you zip it. And you're just glad that you came out of there alive and your face didn't melt off. And you do what he says. And it's so interesting. Sometimes I think people wonder, you know, why, why doesn't God, you know, come right out and, and say, in fact, it's one reason why God remains a mystery is because if he actually came in his glory, he would override our, our free will. Something for you to think about. So he commanded him and to take Mary home as his wife. Do you know why many of us are not moved? Because in the same way that, that, that the whole thing about, you know, save you from your sins probably fell a little flat on Joseph because he was like, I don't know why we need that. We already kind of have that. In the same way, I think sometimes it falls on us kind of flat. And maybe we don't understand why it is that we celebrate or what it is we actually celebrate at Christmas. Do you know why many of us are not moved when we hear that God came to save us from our sin? Because this is what Matthew said, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This isn't what we hear. We don't hear this. This is what we hear. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will forgive his people of their sin. Two very different things. See, we as Americans, we, we, we hear the gospel and, and sometimes we respond to it with a yes, but we think God just forgives us of our sin, which means I get to go to heaven when I die, and that's it. 
And for Jesus, he's just like, well, that's true, but that, that's going to lead you to bottom-rung living. That's not life at all. In fact, that's not even close to the life I want for you. And when we think that's the way it is and that's all there is to it, our entire religious experience turns into this. Well, nobody's perfect, but God forgives. No, nobody's free. In fact, I'm not even trying. In fact, I've had people come to me and say, you know what? I intentionally do things that I know are wrong because I, well, I know God's going to forgive me anyway. And and so we, we live in this perpetual cycle of bottom-rung living where I, I, don't even, I don't even really try and, and I just, because I realize, I, you know, God forgave me of my sin and I just live in this, you know, weird cycle, but then I get to go to heaven when I die. See, if we're not careful, we will reduce Christmas to forgiveness of rather than deliverance from. There is a big difference. See, Jesus didn't come to just deliver us from the consequences of sin. In fact, he rarely delivers us from any consequence of sin. The only, most of the time, the only consequence of sin that he has delivered us from is the eternal consequence of sin. Other than that, he allows the natural consequence of sin to be the judgment of sin, it comes, sin comes prepackaged with a penalty. Wherever there's sin, something dies, and we're affected by it. He didn't come to just, you know, break the consequence of sin, but to break the power of sin in our life. He came to break the power of sin, not, just, not to just have forgiveness of. Forgiveness of just brings us to zero. It just kind of brings us back even. And that's no way to live. Jesus said it this way in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And this could be Satan, or it might just be a reference that this is what thieves do. But the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, there is a transaction that happens. You are given a new passport. You are given a new citizenship. You are given a new nation. You are given a new country. You, you no longer live in the country of sin. You no longer live in the nation of sin. You no longer belong to that. You are no longer a citizenship of it. You have given up the citizenship of that nation, and you have stepped into this new kingdom, the kingdom of God, given a brand new citizenship, given a brand new passport, and in the kingdom of God, the power of sin is broken. You don't have to live that old way anymore. That's what we celebrate, and that's the life, that's the abundant life that Jesus is calling us to, not bottom-rung living where we just go in this perpetual cycle of, well, I don't even, you know, I'm not perfect, and I'm not trying to be, and I don't, and I, I'm not even trying to live in the kingdom of God. I'm just wanting to go to heaven when I die. That's bottom-rung living, and that's not why Jesus came to this earth. So funny, Paul, when he writes in Romans, he, he kind of describes this, this tension. He says, therefore, do not let sin 
reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So Paul, you're saying there's a choice? Yeah, there's a choice. When, when you come into this new kingdom, when you come into this new nation, when you come into this new country, the kingdom of God, you are given the spirit of God who lives inside of you, and you have this old remnant of the, of the sin nature that, that now is in war with one another. And he describes that war that's going on in, in Galatians. And he's like, but you don't have to go with the old nature. You have the spirit of God living in you, and you can choose that. The power of sin has been broken. And any time you want to walk away from that, you can He says, so do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. Every single day, you get up and you surrender every single part of you to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Living in that old kingdom, it's just like, ugh, it just brings death. It's no good. Everything is broken here. And he's like, I want you to experience life in this new kingdom, in this new nation. So interesting. He, he kind of says, look, if, if, if you're going to live in that old part, um, sin is your master. When it calls, you just obey. When it says, hey, I want you to go and view that. Hey, I want you to go and smoke that. Hey, I want you to go and see that. Hey, I want you to move in over there. Hey, I want you to... Cheat and look over there and, 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 and cheat some stuff off of that and use it over here. And, hey, I want you to say these words. I know they, they're going to, you know, totally hurt them, but that's all right. Go ahead and, go ahead and use that. So, no, in this new kingdom, you have a new master. Sin shall no longer be your master. You, you and I, as Jesus followers, have a brand new master. It says, for the wages of sin, the, the, the thing that we earn in sin is death. And, and if you grew up in Awana like us, we just thought that was eternal death. Well, no, I mean, yes, but no. Wherever there is sin, it will earn you death. Wherever there's sin, there's, there's death that occurs. In fact, some of you, you have had a marriage that ended because of sin. Some of you have had your finances not go the way they should because of a lack of self-control, sin. Some of you have had a friendship ended because of sin. Some of you have had a workplace end because of sin. Some of you have had relationships end because of sin. Wherever there is sin, sin always kills something, always. It always has a wage, and its wage is death. But here's something that I don't know if, if we quite grasp sometimes. Forgiven sin still kills things. And that's why to, to think, well, yeah, I know that's sin, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know I can get forgiven is to say, I don't realize that forgiven sin still kills things. See, Jesus came into this world to be Yeshua, in the spirit of Joshua, the warrior who wants to free us from 
deliver us from, the power of, the grasp of, the addiction to, the captivity to sin. See, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is Christmas, is eternal life. And if you grew up in Awana like I did, we just thought, well, that's just, eter- that's, just, that's just life after we die. No, that's not even what he's talking about. What he's talking about is the invitation to this kingdom of God, eternal life living right now. Top rung living, where you can walk away from sin anytime you want because the power of sin has been broken. And it is no longer your master. And it is no longer your boss. And you no longer have to obey it. You see, sin is not your master. Anger is not your master. Food is not your master. Jealousy is not your master. So as you're finishing up your final, you know, shopping and you're looking over there and what they're buying, kind of like, oh, well, that's, that's a lot nicer than what I'm buying. And, that's a... and as you're opening your gifts this week and you're kind of like, well, they got five gifts and I only got four gifts, you can celebrate Christmas and you can actually walk away from jealousy because it's not your master. The abuse of alcohol, not your master can walk away anytime you want. Lust, porn, it's not your master. You can walk away from it. Now, you might let it be your master right now. You might be letting it, but you don't have to. You're in a new nation. In fact, as a citizen of this new nation, power of that's been broken. Prescription drugs, it's not your master. Stealing, cheating, it's not your master. Dirty language, Okay, Eric, come on. I mean, let's get real here. I mean, we can't stop that. Yeah, you can. You can walk away anytime you want. Lack of self-control. Jesus followers. The power of sin when Jesus rose from the dead was broken. And you and I do not have to stay in that old kingdom any longer. And we can walk away from that sin anytime. And what we celebrate at Christmas is this. At Christmas, we celebrate the gift of a new master, a new Lord, a new king who invites us to live in a new kingdom that is governed not by the law of God, but by the Spirit of God. And where there is forgiveness, not of sin, from sin. Crossing, those of you watching online, can you imagine? Can you imagine if just, if just the Christians, if just the Jesus followers decided, you know what? I am leaving behind that, that old kingdom, that, that old nation and I am going to embrace this new citizenship that I have in the kingdom of God. And while I live here in this broken world, I am going to walk away from sin. And I'm going to walk away from it because I trust 
I trust God when he says there is death attached. There is a penalty attached to sin. And he doesn't want me to be hurt in this life. And so I want top-rung living. And top-rung living is living where there is no sin. Can you imagine? Can you imagine yourself walking away from sin on a regular basis? Can you imagine a couple that walks away from sin on a regular basis? Can you imagine a family where sin is just not a part of their everyday life and for the most part they 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 live in a way that's like wow. This is so amazing. This is so healthy. This is so good. Can you imagine taking that to your school? Can you imagine taking that to your workplace? Can you imagine taking that to our community? Can you imagine taking that to Walmart? You're like, no, I can't imagine that. That's, that's, that would be phenomenal. That's why church isn't Sunday, guys. And gals, it's not. That's the kingdom of God, and it's glorious. And it's why we should fall on our knees and celebrate Christmas. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I do thank you. Thank you for coming into this broken world. Thank you for the demonstration of intense love, of coming as a baby, coming under the law, and then introducing something brand new, the the end of the old covenant and the beginning of the new. Thank you for the Spirit of God. Thank you for inviting us into a brand new kingdom. Thank you for breaking the power of sin. And God, if this lands on someone for the first time and it made sense to them and they have never placed their faith in you, Jesus, I pray that right now they would just say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior and I want to live in this kingdom that's characterized by grace and love and mercy where you can walk away from the sin that just so easily entangles us and, and just does things to us that it's just, it kind of kills everything. God, I pray that we would celebrate. And I pray that we would be a church that isn't just a church that attends church on Sunday. But this is who we are and this is the way we live every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.